0: Bucks fans. How's everybody doing today? Casey Phillips here. with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And this of course is where we take all of your questions. It is Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And I'm sure now we are into the round two of the playoffs. There are plenty of questions, plenty of things to talk about. So if you want to bring up a topic for us, all you got to do is head to the Buccaneers Facebook page if you're not already watching there and leave a question or comment in the comment section under our live video as we give people a chance to do that. Scott, I figured we'd talk a little bit about just over- overall health availability of guys going into this round two game against the Saints Uh, so let's start with the COVID list of who has come off of it and who has gone on to it
1: yeah Uh, obviously the good news is that on Monday Devin White and Steve McClendon came off that COVID list and that was just a matter of the number of days right I'm sure they were itching to go but they had to complete the 10 days Uh, They'll be back and available, should be practicing today, as a matter of fact, not very long after we're done here. Um, That's obviously really great news. The the flip side is a few hours after that, the Buccaneers had to announce that they were putting linebacker Kevin Minter on the COVID list. And obviously those are unrelated things, just incredibly coincidental uh, because Devin White hasn't been in contact with the team for those 10 days. So Kevin Minter's issue, whatever it is, is not related to Devin White's, but they played the same position. And uh, you need one or the other of them for sure, because the Buckners don't really have any other experienced option to play that position. So I guess we should be happy that we're getting Devin White back at just the right time. And he should make a big difference with what he can do. That Not many players, he's, you know, he's the only guy in the league who had 140 tackles and nine sacks. So it's hard to replace. Uh, Bruce Arians made a point of saying how well Kevin Minter played in his place. And so let's applaud him for that. But it's sure great to get Devin White back.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's very much nothing against Kevin Minter. It's just this is why Devin was such a high draft pick. This is why he's the captain as a second-year player. He's he's incredible. But yes, Minter did a great job stepping up, getting that tipped pass that helped lead to the interception, you know, made some made some great plays. But yeah, having Devin's speed in there uh is gonna be is gonna be really important. Um and then obviously we also want to talk about Rojo, who was sort of a very last second yeah. um person to get scratched from that game that I think. Uh, I personally was thinking like, oh, like they're just decided to start four net again, like they did last week. And then it was like, oh, nope. Where is he? <laughs> where's, where's Rojo? <Roger? laughs> so yeah. tell us about uh, what we've learned from his availability.
1: Well, apparently, you know, at this time of the year, just about every player has something they're dealing with. Right. And they're playing through it. It's not serious enough to be on an injury report or anything like that. I guess he had a mild quad thing. That maybe the plane flight aggravated a little bit, and made it swell up. That'll happen, believe it or not. And then I guess he must have aggravated it during uh, the the warmups to the game. It just didn't feel like he had the complete range of movement, and he was he wasn't going to be effective if, if, if effectively was what it was. So, um, and fortunately, Leonard Fournette was doing a good job, and the Bucks were able to roll with him. Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, came in for. So unfortunately, the fumble doesn't help, but he looks like he's running pretty well. Um, so the Bucks got through that one. Now we're going to have to monitor this one because on Monday uh, it was clear from Bruce Arians uh, interview uh, that he didn't know yet whether Ronald Jones would be able to recover enough to play in the next game. So we'll find out. We'll get a good start today when the, when the Buccaneers practice and see what he can do, but that's probably the main guy we're going to be watching this week because otherwise the team is pretty healthy.
0: And then Related to that, Daniel had asked about, uh, since Fournette has played really well the last few weeks, um, have you seen improvement each week for him when he is the featured back? Maybe he's got some fresher legs getting his rhythm back and just how we might want to use each of them depending on, of course, if Rojo's not available, we know Fournette's going to be looking like he did this last week getting all those carries. But if they are both available, has the way Fournette has been running given you a chance to think that they should be splitting the carries a little bit more evenly?
1: Yeah, I don't know about everybody else, but I think he looks better here towards the end of the season than earlier. Uh, it just seems like his vision is better now. He's hitting, holes, uh, he's hitting the right holes and he's hitting them quickly. Uh, he's an effective runner, and that's what Bruce Arians talks about. I we, we should not expect this team to run for 150 yards a game. The Buccaneers are a passing team, and that is what it is, but that is helped out by an effective running game, which is what Bruce always talks about. And so if you're getting – you know, a first down, you do a first down handoff and you get four yards. It doesn't seem spectacular, but that's an effective play. And around the goal line, if you get the ball in, and and we've seen Leonard Fournette be very good around the goal line, his success rate on goal line runs is very good. And he's a big, powerful guy. So that's not terribly surprising. So um, yeah, I think Leonard looks good recently. and, And he also has been pretty reliable in the passing game. There've been games where he was reliable, but but that didn't mean that the production was real high. But in you know in this last game, he he made some big plays in the passing game, and, and he's caught just about everything thrown his way. So, you know, I don't think it's a it's it's a guy that's going to take over the game, but I think he's going to give the Bucks what they want in the backfield.
0: And then uh, Daniel had also asked about the idea that you know when you've played the Saints as many times as we have, and it's in the division, um, and there may be a little bit of some. Some trash talk, some bad blood, some things that are a little bit more personal. He said, are there any concerns of taunting or any and and guys kind of losing their heads a bit that it could get a little too personal having had this matchup happen so many times recently?
1: Uh, Yes, that is a concern. And it's clear that that's a concern because Bruce Arians didn't wait. He addressed it on Monday for sort of a message through the media to his team uh where he already started talking about that the Buccaneers can't get caught up in the trash talking and the finger pointing as he put it they have to keep their cool when that sort of thing happens c- because it probably will uh you know when the Saints had the Bucks' worst game of the year was that 38-3 loss to the Saints and it was such a blowout that at the end the Saints were being pretty chirpy if we remember and and you know I thought the Bucs handled it well then you know that was a very very frustrating evening and um I don't think we took the bait on that one. And you can't really fault a team for being so ce- celebratory after a, a win of that magnitude. Here, though, you have the fact that it's lose and go home. And all these guys, I mean, you're this close now, and all these guys are this close to the ultimate goal that they've been fighting for all season. And if you start to see that slipping away, the emotions there, I'm sure it can be tough to deal with. So, um, yeah, either team really, if, if they get behind, they really have to be careful. To not fall into that trap, and I think that Bruce is probably going to stress that to his team all week.
0: Yeah, I actually did a, a quick radio interview that'll air before the game Sunday with Ryan Jensen yesterday. And of all the people that uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk to about the idea of the of the attitude and the instigation, I felt like he was a good one. And as I started to bring it up, he bas- he started laughing as soon as he realized where I was going with the question. And yeah, he he even he acknowledged that this yeah you it's always good to have a little bit of a little bit of spice a little bit of pep in in how you're playing but that this is not the time to be losing your cool and getting flags and so that was good to hear from from chief instigator himself
1: (laughs) well (laughs) I would I I would also point to Mike Evans as a good example here Um, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore have had a pretty emotional um, uh, hard fought Uh, battle against each other since Lattimore came into the league in 2017. And both guys have had really big games against each other in that series. And we saw early on in that competition that, that the emotions sometimes got to Mike a little bit. And I think he made a a conscious choice, not just against Lattimore, but in his career in general, against guys that might trash talk him or against officials that seem so eager at at parts of his career to throw offensive pass interference calls on him. Uh, I think he, he, purposely decided that he was not going to let that affect him. And I'm sure it still bothers him. If you're a player and it was bothering you one game, it's going to bother you the next time, but he has proven that he can handle it and not let it get the best of him. And that, that was a, you know, that was a step forward in his career. And so a lot of guys could follow along that line.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I do think that's one of the areas that Mike has grown the most in the course of his career. Cause we know he's been incredible, you know, yeah. in terms of on the field, his physical abilities, you know, and I, I do think that the mental side of being able to control those emotions has been an area that he has improved in greatly, which is awesome. Uh, Justin had asked, who will be filling in for Alex Kappa on the offensive line?
1: The coach said it would be Aaron Stinney. And if that's confusing to people since Ted Larson came in when uh, Kappa got hurt, excuse me, on Saturday, um, it's really not that unusual. What it is was Larson had been activated or elevated from the practice squad. So you had two guys you could conceivably keep up. You're only going to keep one of them up because you keep eight offensive linemen and we keep Wells and Hague up as backup tackles. And uh, so you were going to either keep Stinney or Ted Larson up and they, I'm sure they chose Ted Larson because he's very uh, versatile. He started all three interior line positions during a long career. And, you know, Stinney really hasn't had that sort of experience and certainly hasn't shown that sort of versatility or had the opportunity to do so. So it made sense to have your one backup be a guy that could, you felt comfortable putting in any of the three positions, but now when you have the week to prepare for it, and now you you, you choose the guy that you specifically want to fill this role, right guard. And, and for Bruce Arians, that's Aaron Stinney. And I imagine one way or another, Ted Larson is going to be either elevated or signed to the active roster to give us, that backup, so he'll be available as well. But the guy they want to step in for Alex Cap is Aaron Stenney, and it's <clears throat> there's none of us that can know how that's going to go because this is the first game that Aaron Stenney's ever started in his career. To get it now in the second round of the playoffs is pretty daunting, but they appear to be confident in him, and there's no reason not to be confident in him. But we also don't really know yet what we're going to
0: get. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch for sure. Uh, Kevin asked, why did AB not play more or have more targets against Washington?
1: not play more
0: well he said that why did he only play like 10 plays against washington and i don't think that's i don't know how many snaps he actually got that up yeah he actually did get a touchdown i at least know that part but i guess a larger picture of in your mind against the saints uh how much are they going to be using each of the wide receivers and and who are
1: 34 snaps he played 34 snaps on offense that's not that's a lot more than 10. what Uh, Did you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, 34. Yeah. So I was just going to ask in your mind, what what have you seen in the way they've used some of the different guys recently, and especially now that Mike has been back in?
1: Yeah. Here's what everybody has to understand about Aaron or Antonio Brown's usage from game to game. And I've even seen articles like on, uh, you know, PFT and stuff like that that wants, you know, the highlights when he has more snaps or less snaps. Antonio Brown with Mike Evans in there is our, is the third receiver in our 11 package. So how much he plays is going to be determined by how much we use 11. Uh, And some games we use a lot more than others. You saw Cam Brake getting a lot of action, right? That since Rob Gronkowski plays almost every play, if Cam Brait's in there, it's generally when they're in 12 package with two tight ends. So if you see Cam Brake getting a lot of action, that means a little less action for whoever is your third receiver. They basically play the same position, which is the why. I know they don't line up in the exact same spot, but Cam Bray and Antonio Brown basically play the same position because they're that fifth eligible guy. It's either an 11 package or a 12. That's that's all it comes down to because Antonio Brown is playing great right now. Not only is he, has he really had five touchdowns in the last four games and he's getting those downfield plays now, but the Bucs have obviously found out that he's very effective on those quick passes where you can give him some blocks and let him start making some moves because he's, he's got his legs back under him. He's got his, the movement that's, you know, that he's done so well throughout his career, he's got that back. And so you can get 10 and 15 yard gains on plays like that to him, which is great. So there's two really big ways that they use Antonio Brown. He's absolutely a big part of the plan now. And and just don't get caught up in the way his snaps go from one game to the next.
0: Um, and then Mike had asked, what do you think the run-pass mix will need to be in this next game?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to it again. Uh, the, the Bucks are a passing team. If the run-pass balance is somewhere around 50, that's a very good sign for the Buccaneers because it means they were ahead and that when they were ahead, they ran the ball more. But to get ahead, the Buccaneers are going to throw the ball. That's what they do. Uh, they want to run the ball effectively, uh, and that helps. They believe that helps uh, with their play-action game. You know, we have seen that be effective in recent weeks, but they're going to get the ball down the field in the early going by throwing the ball. So we should hope for a very good balance between running the pass, because that probably means the game is going very well for the Buccaneers.
0: And then Scott asked, uh, what do you think the plan is with the secondary for this weekend that we've seen a few different strategies and how they've tried to approach playing the Saints and breeze uh, this year in terms of, are you playing off ball? Are you playing up? closer. Are you doing zone? Are you doing man? Some of those options, what do you think has has seemed to work better? Or what do you think that the plan could be for this weekend?
1: Well, it's always been a mix. I mean, we don't go, we haven't gone into any game and played all off ball or all zone or all man or all press Uh, Todd Bowles mixes it up as he thinks is the best way to do so. So that's what it's going to be. I know that. I think most fans, I think I get what's behind this question. I think most fans like to see the bucks be more aggressive with their secondary play more man, play more press, and, uh, you know, there's ups and downs to both strategies, which is why you mix and match it and try to find the right opportunity. But uh, you also obviously play more man when you're blitzing more. Uh, and, you know, Todd Bowles is very aggressive in that regard. The question is how good of a strategy is that against Drew Brees, since he is so, so good at getting the ball out quickly that even with the blitz, if you don't get there, now all you've done is take some of your guys out of coverage. So, um you know, I don't know is, is the answer. It's He's going to mix it up, and whether he leans more towards one or the other, we're just going to have to wait and see. I can't really answer that question.
0: Yeah, uh, Trevor asked if you were to guess how many points do you think we'll need to score to win?
1: That's a good one. Uh, both of these teams scored just over 30 points per game. The Bucks actually outscored the Saints by a little bit. Um, I would expect that that's going to happen again. So I would say
0: 31 probably. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that, I mean, it's a tall order to ask your defense to hold them much under 30 just because they are, they have so many different weapons and can score so easily. Um, But I feel like now we have to feel confident that we could also score over 30. I mean, I mean, yeah,
1: look at it on, we know what the Saints have done to us on defense, especially this year, they have done the best of anybody. And it's because they've been able to pressure Tom Brady and get some turnovers. Uh, Five of the 12 interceptions that Brady threw were against the Saints, five of the 21 times he got sacked was against the saints, but we just played the Washington Redskins who at least on paper were a better defense than the saints and a better pass rushing team than the saints. They're both good, but the saints were, but the football team was a little bit better. And so the Buccaneers, you know, they did give up three sacks, but two of those came over right guard after Kappa went out, the protection was good and we got 507 yards of offense and would have had a lot more points if we just didn't have some red zone stumbles. So the Bucs have shown that they can succeed against that good of a defense. They just need to do it specifically against the Saints defense.
0: All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for all those awesome questions. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. We're doing one of these today, tomorrow, and Friday to make sure you guys are completely ready for that playoff game. So we'll see you then.